Hello and welcome to Baby Talk. This is our show for the races of Friday, July 23rd. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you once again. I am repping Brooklyn with the shirt, but I'm not in the Brooklyn bunker. I am in the area that we call the Degenerate Flop House up in Saratoga. It's adjacent to the little house on the east side. And uh, we bring in the co-host of this program. He's also far from home, not in Lexington, Kentucky, not at Gainesway Farm today. He is uh, somewhere in the suburbs of Buffalo, as I understand it. He's getting ready to win a golf tournament. He's Sean Tugel. Far from home, Pete, but but close to birthplace. So uh, <laughs> always happy to get back here to Western New York, uh, get myself some Zweigel's White Hots, and uh, and who knows what else. But but take full advantage. Probably probably overdo it on chicken wings and pizza while I'm here too. <laughs> Let's start off before we get into this quartet of races we're going to talk about for the Friday show. Looking back a little bit at what we've seen so far in Saratoga, one thing that leaps off the page in terms of our two-year-old races is that the freshman sires. They're having an impact. Yeah, and, and, and you see this happen occasionally. You, you start to see uh, the emphasis on the freshman sires, but we definitely saw that last weekend. Uh, the one horse that, that was close to our hearts, Wit, that we own a piece of uh, with Vinny Viola of, of St. Elias and, and Rapoli Stables. Uh, pretty exciting. He's by the freshman sire, Practical Joke. Uh, who has helped him get to number two on the freshman sire list now with that victory. Um, but I can't, you know, when, when you see a two-year-old kind of get to the get to the quarter pole and then just do that effortless separation, um, pretty, pretty damn excited to see where we go from here. Yeah, Witt was down the road in a hurry. And even a furlong in, I was like, eh, I could be more excited about where we are. I watched the race with a known associate of yours, uh, Man who goes by by many names. Uh, Pipito is a new one I've heard for him. Pipito the Brave. Uh, some people call him Slim, the Piper at the Gates of Dawn, the Sultan of Schenectady. I'm talking, of course, about Chris Pipito. And he was telling a story about hanging out with some of your breeding industry colleagues and talking about wit before he ran his first race. And mm -hmm. the comment was made by someone in the know. This is the horse that's going to make practical joke as a sire. And... It's hard to argue with that after this performance. you got to think Witt's going to head to the hopeful as your uh, favorite. Yeah, fingers crossed that that'd be the game plan is to show up there in the hopeful. And, um, you know, having run across the, the strip there at Saratoga and he obviously likes it. Uh, we'd like to see him maybe be a little bit sharper out of the gate again. But he's just such a cool, relaxed, uh, laid back horse. You know, I was I was at the Haskell there this weekend and, and Alex Elise, uh, my coworker who, who selected the horse in the September sale last year, was up there uh, to, to represent Gainesway. Uh, in the winter circle with his family, it was it was it was great. But um, it's just what you know. The comments you hear about him is just you know both in in his maiden victory at Belmont and then even at Saratoga this past weekend is just how relaxed this horse is. Um, just a cool customer, kind of like hello, wake up. You know you got a job to do, but uh, you know when you don't waste that ex extra energy and you get to just put it all into the races, um, you know the sky's the limit right now with this horse. He, he ran a ninety buyer, which uh, it's one of the highest that we've seen so far this year. And, and you don't see too many two-year-olds that run 90-plus buyers anyways uh, throughout the year. So to fa the fact that he's already there, he's already a great stakes winner, he's out of a medallion Doro mare, um, you think he's going to get all the distance in the world. So uh, fingers crossed he just stays healthy for us. Distance should be the friend, that's for sure. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the other two-year-old stuff we've seen so far. Any particular uh, eye-catchers for you? 
Well, uh, certainly extremely excited uh, that John Hendrickson of Mary Lou Whitney Stables was able to uh, get that greatest stakes victory on, on opening day. Very fitting that that's how opening weekend of Saratoga started. She was raised at Gainesway Farm. She was by a stallion that stood at Gainesway. So uh, lots of exciting connections there. And, and you know, some people wanted to pick apart her 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 time and, and, and the way she kind of finished. And But she still won by two lengths. She, did, she didn't do anything wrong. Um, you know, listening to comments from Norm Cassie, it sounded like she got a little green. That was the very first time she even went to the main track was the day she even ran. She, he, I heard him say he was doing all of his training over on the Oklahoma track. So, you know, she, she might've been looking around, got a little lost, but, but she was very professional in, in, in breaking from the gate and, and, and winning the race. So we'd love to see her kind of go on and do bigger and better things. Um, and then, you know, one filly that we discussed, uh, on the show last week that was extremely impressive and, and people got a hell of a price on for the way she won. Uh, was Echo Zulu and obviously Gunrunner adding to his stats as a leading freshman sire at the moment. And, and you know, out of, you know, half to a grade one winner and, and multiple greatest stakes uh, winners, that, that Philly, again, sky's the limit. They're having posted 92 buyer. As time goes on, we're going to look back on more of the early season two-year-old performances up here. But we've got so much racing to cover. And the idea of these shows is to keep them pretty yep. lean and mean. So I, I think for now, we're going to we'll, we'll boogie on to the Friday races, and it starts off early in Saratoga's very first race. We've got uh, Maiden Special Weight action. Where was your eye drawn in this spot, Sean? Well, um, it, it, and just to point out to the listeners here, it's, it's an interesting Maiden Special Weight because it's a restricted race to horses that that sold for 45000 or less at public auction or RNA for 45000 or less. So it's kind of an interesting uh, uh, race from that from that perspective. Um, I kind of landed on on – a couple different horses. I, I thought the Joe Sharp, Jimmy Creed horse, who he's got Jose Ortiz up, King of Sting, uh, is, is an interesting horse. He had a, a minute three gate work there. I always like to see the, the speed uh, out of the gate. The other horse that really jumped out for me was the Wyckoff, Three Diamonds Farm, Mike Maker with Deuce Greathouse, a good friend of the, of the show here, uh, Stolen Base. Bodie Meister over an Indian Charlie mare. We keep sending, seeing Indian Charlie mares jump up and throw high-class horses. But, you know, Bodie Meister um, – is, is a proven sire versus versus some of the others, you know, when we talk about first first crop. So the fact that you get a proven sire in kind of a restricted race, that kind of really grabbed my attention a little bit uh, and had a bullet five furlong work. And then I think Buckingham Prince, uh, you know, already has two races under the belt, had a 69 buyer speed figure last time out. That could win this race quite easily. So I, I'm kind of drawn to the Buckingham Prince just because it already has the two races, the fitness, has a respectable buyer speed figure, um, and, and I always like horses who have runs in them. Correct me if I'm wrong. It feels like this particular con uh, condition, the way that the, you know, the, the big-priced maidens not eligible for this, it feels like the importance of experience should be all the more because – presumably this is just a hypothesis not backed with any actual data you would think that the super quick firsters are typically ones that are going to be selling for more and, and therefore uh, maybe a horse like buckingham prince has a little bit more of an advantage you you buy that hypothesis at all i 100 percent agree with you and you know he's buckingham prince is coming out of two open races uh, and, and, and finished second in an open race and now going into restricted company. So it should have even more advantage. And like you said, if, if a horse breathes really fast at, at the sales or, you know, th that horse is going to go for a lot of money. So it's not even going to be able to qualify for this this type of race. So uh, this is certainly one where, um, you know, sometimes 
uh, in allowance races and claiming races, you got to really read that uh, condition uh, fine tooth. But here, this is one with two-year-olds where uh, you really need to pay attention to it because it, it's it's to the benefit of Buckingham Prince versus the others. That's for sure. And we talked already about Norm Cassie starting off the meet on a good note. I got to think this one's likely to be a good thing. I'm excited about going to the pack and, and getting a chance to, to see them in the flesh and, and the opinion could evolve based on total paddock considerations. But I'm I'm with you as far as Buckingham Prince goes. Looks like a good thing for me in this first race it's on Friday. Let's move down to uh, to Ellis Park and their eighth race on Friday. Sean, curious to get your your take on this one. My eye was drawn to uh, to, to uh, a sire uh, that I didn't know too much about, but poking around, I was getting more and more intrigued by Astern. But let's let's start off with your thoughts on this one. Well, I, I mean, I'll go straight there to the seven horse. Uh, I guess it would be a tross, a trass. Um, the Astern horse, um, certainly Stern is, is a freshman sire here. Astern was a horse that ran down in, in Australia, was a champion, I believe, two-year-old down there. Not only is this horse by Astern, who, who should have the precocity, um, but also being out of the city zip uh, mare, that should just add to kind of uh, turf sprinting as well. Um, so I, I definitely am drawn there. I, I love the 47 and four bullet uh, work on the third one of 126. Uh, certainly uh, that tells you there's plenty of speed there, uh, especially going five and a half on the turf is usually one by speed. Uh, but but that was back on July 3rd. So so what, what, what have we been doing since then? Uh, maybe, you know, that's all they needed. Plenty fit. Um, and at Keeneland, you know, during the offseason. Uh, there aren't always clockers there every single day. So um, it's kind of sometimes not every work gets recorded. So it's just one of those things you, you, you might want to pay attention to. Uh, certainly uh, it looks like the speeds there. Vicky Oliver is extremely uh, capable. I was drawn to my man, Bull McKeever, the three horse gold heritage. This was a $190,000 two-year-old by union rags. I love union rags as, as a sire uh, out of the giants causeway mare. Um, Bull McKeever, he, he's usually not short on words. Uh, he put Julie Burke on here who, who worked breezes a lot of horses for him. Um, so she probably has breezed this horse quite a bit, but, uh, 20 to one morning line has me, uh, pretty enticed there for a horse that cost 190,000 out of a two-year-old sale. That's a, that's a great point. We've got a few questions about general angles and baby races. We'll answer them when we have more time on another show, but I will say this, that when you see the horse come from a, a two-year-old in training sale like gold heritage did and you see that the, the sale price that 190 being a, a 6x multiple of the, the the sire's fee that is typically a great sign and suggests that this one is going to show speed that i would imagine that holds true in in uh from your perspective i mean it definitely would be a, a major factor in um in handicapping, I mean, any horse coming out of the two-year-olds, you know, they are trained to show their speed for that eighth of a mile to a quarter of a mile. Um, and certainly this horse must have done that to bring that purchase price. So, uh, and, and the OBS track is is a synthetic track. So it, it, it plays very similarly to a turf track. This horse is showing up on the turf sprinting. Uh, there's a lot of maybe hidden subtleties here that, that, that mean that this horse could really outrun its odds. Of course, I, I, I had my, my one of my rare host fails calling the horse Astern. Of course, it's a stern. Not sure what happened with my mouth words there. But when I think of uh, turf sprinting, I, I think of the Aussies. And that, that's another mm -hmm. reason why, uh, why the seven came to, to mind, Atris or Atras. 
Now, Vicky Oliver, excellent trainer, not really known for first-time starters. Does that does that put you off at all? I, I tend to overlook it in special spots like a, a two-year-old turf sprint. We just they, they just don't have enough opportunities to develop a meaningful body of statistics. I was not going to hold that against the, my thought in here on on number seven. Does it give you any pause? Look, if, if there were four or five other horses that really jumped out at me or, or were high-priced horses or big-time connections, uh, et cetera, et cetera, then, then maybe you, you use that. But, but I was drawn to this horse pretty quickly. Um, and what better way to make money is when everybody's wanting to look at percentages and, and, and not give it a shot. So uh, breeding-wise, uh, connection-wise, uh, work-wise, um, if, if people want to want to hold her first time out uh, percentage against her, then I'm going to be licking my chops a little bit. <laughs> Let's talk about the morning line favorite in this spot for a moment too, Sean. That's number nine, Creative Miracle. We just talked about the angle of the two-year-old in training sale with the sale price. That's a big multiple mm-hmm. of the stud fee. That's the case with this one, Creative Cause, standing for 7500 This one back at OBS April sold for 95000 And this guy, Brad Cox, wins a race or two. No, I totally agree. Um, you know, I'm just creative cause may, maybe keeps me a little leery, but but obviously the the Florent Giroux, Brad Cox combination, Cuba Racing, they've had a lot of success recently with with Brad Cox. So um, obviously is 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 a probably a deserving uh, morning line favorite. I just was drawn to to the two other horses that gave me a little bit uh, better price. Hopefully, now again we we, we talk about watching the, the tote board in these two year old races. So you know, if Vicky Oliver, if she's cold on the board, um, then then maybe it's going to need one. But um, and same thing with with McKeever. If he's not getting any love on the board, you know, maybe maybe veer away. But but. Uh, again, maybe the Brad Cox horse it drifts up from its morning line price, and, and that tells you, well, you know, maybe it's 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 you know it's going to get bet because of the connections, but the other maybe go the other way on the horses we like that give you a better price. It's funny. I've had this conversation recently with a few people about doing the delicate dance in baby races between cold on the board, live on the board, and value or non-value and it's something it's a very delicate dance and there's a lot of feel involved it's not a it's not a science that i can tell you but yeah there's sometimes where a horse is just doesn't take money at any stage if i back that up and i look and the horse looks quiet and gonna need one whether that's on tv or in person in the paddock i will avoid but there's also plenty of times where especially with lower profile connections or a horse, you know, the Vicky Oliver horse might be a perfect example where people get so locked into to a stat where I don't mind at all if they're cold on the board. I, I wish it was an easy thing to tell people how to read the tote board in these baby races. But like so many other things in racing, the answer really is it depends. Generally <laughs> speaking, I'm going to want some I, I don't want a horse that's slightly above its morning line for the entire betting, you know, really flat betting patterns I don't like. Um, I, I love a horse bet early, maybe drifts in the middle, bet back down late. That's a pattern I love. And then horses, horses that are bet throughout, that's usually a good sign, but it, it's hard to say that they're going to be value. They're typically horses that the, the, the word is out on. Hopefully we have latched on to a couple of angles in this race that can help us uh, find a bet in this spot. Couldn't agree with you more there, Pete. Let's move on to Gulfstream. We've got two races from Gulfstream to talk about to wrap up this Friday show. We're going to be back with a whole other show covering the Saturday maiden special weight races. But next we're going to head to Gulfstream Park for their third race, 
We've got uh, two-year-old Phillies going six in this spot. And uh, I've got my eye on a, on a second-time starter. But why don't you kick us off here? I'm sure you're probably talking about Gamble's ghost there. Or, I mean, not Gamble's, but Gamble's orb uh, for Joe Oshina, the 7-5 morning line favorite. Only got beat a nose there. Uh, 59 buyer, which, you know, kind of looking at this race, probably – is going to go off the heavy, heavy favorite. Uh, but I was also drawn to basking uh, the Peter Brandt horse there. It was, it was a Lord Nelson out of, out of a fast Henny Hughes uh, mare. In fact, the, the end of mischief out of this mare brought uh, several hundred thousand dollars here at the July sale um, uh, about two weeks ago. So so the, the mare was a fast mare. Uh, she's by Henny Hughes. Lord Nelson's a first-year horse. Interesting that Lisa Lewis is training this horse and running the horse for Peter Brandt. Um, you know, she is actually the, the individual who gets all of Peter Brandt's uh, yearlings to break and pre-train uh, down in Florida. So um, don't know why this this horse has is going to debut down in Florida versus going to Chad uh, to New York. Uh, if, is that a good sign? Is, is is there something that says, you know, Lisa, you're going to you're going to run a couple each year for me? I, you know. Don't know the scenario there, but found it interesting. Lord Nelson was a very fast horse uh, and is a freshman sire this year. Still needs to uh, to get it going with the winners, but I found that interesting. Uh, and then I'm, I always like to root for my man, Kent Sweezy. He's got the only time horse there. Solid work pattern by by a very good second crop sire, not this time. Um, hard to look past the Orsino horse, but uh, both Sweezy and possibly the Lewis horse, depending on what the board does there. I think that's an absolute watch the board. If it's as cold as ice, then uh, probably stay away from that one. And it's just down between the Orsino and Sweezy horse, in my opinion. That sounds about right to me as well. My little angle on gambles or beyond what you see on the paper, I did a little digging into the orb progeny. Really interesting to see. So orb babies that win first out, they do not improve their figures second out. That's logical because the company gets so much tougher that first time against winners. We talk about that so much. But the orb babies that don't win first out, I looked at maybe 20 of them, and they all – I mean, I think it might have been 20 for 20 improved their figures. The smallest figure improvement was three points, and then you had some that improved their figures 20 points. But if you take that 59 figure, and even if you just add three to it, you're, you're above the the par to win this race at Gulfstream for, for two-year-old Phillies, which is about uh, which is a 61, I believe it said in the paper. So that was my little extra thing, why I particularly like that one. And then the Sweezy Runner was, was the other one. I mean, the Not This Times, well-documented, we've talked about on these shows. And I thought that the female side of the pedigree was interesting. Also, a chance to shout out Tappet, which we always like to do on these shows. Uh, the Dam has had uh, three winners from five, to make it to the races. None of the five won first out. And then Sweezy, another trainer, with all, despite all the success, not a huge amount of success with, with firsters. So a little bit of mixed signals, but I was definitely inclined to keep a strong eye on this one. And if there was a whiff of cash or if I liked anything physically before the race, I was definitely, definitely going to use. With a trainer like Sweezy, do you think it's a case of you know, the way that his training career has evolved? He just hasn't had that many first-time starters or that many first-time starters with pedigrees like this? Is that part of the reason why those stats are, are maybe a little, uh, sub, I guess, subpar by his own lofty standards? I'll say it that way. Yeah. Um, what is your thought on that? I mean, I, I do think it's, it's it's the case of a young trainer who is starting to get more two-year-olds in his barn versus what he's had in the past. Um, 
getting more ready-made horses or older horses that need a di different circuit. Um, so it is that. I also think it's a product of, of who he's learned from. You know, he came out of, uh, he's worked for Christophe Clement and Owen Hardy and, and Jimmy Jerkins. And, and none of those guys are big first time out winners. So, you know, he's kind of learned uh, the process of, of bringing a horse along and, and racing it into fitness versus um, having to have it fully cranked first time out. I, I think it may be more of a product of, of his uh, experience with, with those really good trainers and how they bring along horses, plus the fact that he is just now probably starting to get a lot of young horses uh, that are going to be running first time out. So we could improve second time out. I'll take you back to that. Well, I think that used to be unbelievable that had with first time starters in the last handful of years, especially Starrick. But I think take Jimmy Burton's second time starters, that's all an automatic uh, and maybe, maybe he's following all, more along that path. Well, we'll see, though. This is other thing about stats that you really get to invest in is it changes based on who's in the corner. I'm going back to the books here, but you'll remember this. Nick Zito was there forever had a reputation of not winning for out. And then all of a sudden, the early days of uh, of uh, his relationship with Alba they started having all these all different horses at the sales. And then there was the wire up where we won like five. So keep paying attention to stuff involved, not stat. Yeah, you were, you were, the, our, unfortunately, our connection was, was losing a little bit there. So I didn't well, hear that. I, I made my point. That you were going to prove it. I didn't just move it along. <laughs> Do I ask for this show? Goldstream's seventh race on. Friday, um, and in this spot, we go to the curb. We're going seven and a half along these two year old in fresh weights. What is in here? Um, I'm drawing right to the uh, the horse that has experience and is going to absolutely love getting to the turf and going two turns. Kito Dan, the point of entry out of an APND mare, uh, stretch out around two turns, gets the turf, which he's bred for. Uh, he should be very dangerous there. But then I'm also drawn to uh, the four horse who was beaten 19 lengths last time out. Uh, more than ready. If, if you read the running lines, made a little bit of a mid move. But since that first race has had the ultimate equipment change and, and was gelded. Um, so, you know, looking at it, the point of entry looks like he should be be the horse that 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 wins the race. Uh, but but. You know, in, in a situation we're trying to make money here, and uh, when a horse gets beat 19 lengths, uh, may not see a whole lot of money on the board for this horse, but uh, knowing how much horses can improve after the uh, gelding and seeing that he kind of made a mid-move and kind of flattened out, um, I'm, I'm kind of drawn to that horse, more, more adventurous there, the four horse. I'm with you on more adventurous. The other angle there, and this is a key angle in, in maiden races in general, especially with two-year-olds, when they catch money first out and then show a sign of ability. That, that tandem of things. So that middle move you described, I'd worry if it was a horse that was 20 to one, it wouldn't intrigue me as much as a horse that was bet sub four to one on debut. And then you, uh, you throw in the, 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 the recent equipment change and you've got an extremely live horse and more adventurous. I would surely sign up for that six to one right now. I had one other horse I wanted to ask you about in this race. The number one, winging it, buy into mischief from a dam that's produced four winners from five starters. The thing that I was questioned about this one was the, the seven and a half on, on the turf, but maybe it's just a question of, of distance when you're dealing. I mean, into mischief, obviously, 
they'll win doing anything. But maybe I was looking at the female side of the pedigree and seeing AP Indy. AP Indy not exactly known for success at uh, at five furlongs. They typically needed more ground. I was on the fence, but considering including this number one, winging it, curious to get your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you have to respect Jenna Antonacci there. Um, and obviously, anytime you see an into mischief show up, uh, all they like to do is win. Uh, I, I think, you know, this was a kind of a, a wait and see approach for me. Um, I, I think the point of entry having two runs already and then getting on turf is just one of those where I think that that just outweighs the other thing. And, and, and then seeing a 103 and two gate work last time out, you know, maybe that tells you it's it's 100% a turf horse because you got tired there on the dirt, or are they going two turn turf because the horse just isn't that fast? Right, right. That's that's always the it's always the balancing act. You would think with this pedigree that if the horse was fast, a try on the dirt would make all the sense in the world. But I've also put myself away with that logic sometimes when it's a horse that is a very good horse, but just doesn't want to sprint, but has routes. You know, that difference between sprint speed and route speed. That's something you gotta you gotta pay attention to. I agree. It's more of a wait and see with winging it, and I think we've identified the other two live ones in uh, in number four and number nine. All right, that's it for uh, the Friday races. We were going to talk about. You got a closing thought for this show, and then folks can make sure to look for us in about uh, whenever you're watching this. Uh, the, the next day, our Saturday show is going to drop. But you got anything to to send us home? Uh, just excited that, that Wit was able to, uh, to live up to the hype and, and, and hope the hype keeps going because if he makes it to the hopeful, it just means I get to spend more time in Saratoga. <laughs> I like your logic. I like your – and, you know, sitting with me for you on Labor Day weekend has historically been a good, good luck charm. So I expect my invite to the, to the game Absolutely. play accommodation. Absolutely. <laughs> good stuff. All right. For Sean Tugel. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. Going to thank our friends at Gainsway one more time. We're going to thank everybody out there for listening. We'll thank producer Craig for putting this show together after the fact. May the hammer drop your way.